And a warm hearted good morning and welcome to yet another edition of Brandpunt, our Friday morning a controversial topic platform where we tackle issues that concerns our daily Christian world. Well, an article on a website called Holy Soup, written by Tom Schultz, recently caught my eye and became the topic for this morning's Brandpunt discussion. Let's just call it church politics. The article tells the story of an email that a pastor forwarded to the website for publishing and says the following, and I quote, I've recently been sick and in hospital. During this day, I was notified via text message that my services were no longer needed. While the pastor laid suffering in hospital, the church leadership council chose to pull the plug and deliver the unexpected news via text message. Cold, you might say. Callous. Yes, but unfortunately, not uncommon. Church people, church staff and members alike, seem drawn into petty conflicts that leads predictably into destruction. And it's this self-inflicted wounding that's killing the church from the inside out. A church secretary was recently asked to describe the interactions she deals with during a typical week. Quote, unquote, she says, these people are constantly fighting. Somebody is always mad at someone for something. But is this church? How often do you hear people talking about God? She just laughed and said, never. Well, it makes me sad and it's draining the church. It's the chief cause of people leaving the church, some never to return again to any church. Sometimes the ugliness starts at the top. Church staff engage in turf wars, passive aggressiveness, insecurities, prideful positioning, controlling behaviors, and personal buffoonery. And sometimes it's just the members who lead the way in bickering, selfishness, and side-taking over staff members. In some churches and Christian organizations, it becomes a matter of team spirit. Members decide and declare whether they're on the pro-minister team or on the anti-minister team. Well, it's a fact. People take sides. People get hurt, and hurt people tend to hurt people. That's the insidious nature of church infighting. It feeds on itself. In some ways, this is nothing new and did not go unnoticed amongst the Bible writers. Well, Brunpant this morning look at church politics, killing the church from the inside out. Don't stray or go away as we'll be back with our respondents right after this. Online, I've got uh, all the way from the Western Cape, uh, Professor Dion Foster, but let him introduce himself. Dion, good morning to you and welcome. Just in a nutshell, a background bio, please. Yes, hi, Vainant, and, and hi to our listeners. Well, first and most importantly, I'm a member of a church and uh, have served as a minister for, for some decades. And uh, yeah, I'm no stranger to some of the things you're talking about, but uh, above all else, I love Christ and uh, devote my life to studying the scriptures and figuring out how we can help the church become more like Jesus. We definitely need that. We said in the intro that this problem is as old as the Bible itself. John, what does the Bible have to say about infighting, about church politics, if I can call it that? 
Well, of course, Vainant, the Bible says many things about, um, you know, human conflicts and relationships because it, it deals with so many different uh, situations and books and periods and, and issues. But there are some common threads that run throughout the scriptures. Um, and certainly we find them best summarized, I think, in the Gospels and, and often illustrated in Paul's letters. Um, I think one of the things that the Bible helps us to see is that conflict is is normal in any society, in any community. And particularly in a community like the church, um, we can expect that there'll be some conflict because, of course, the church is a community of diverse and different people. And uh, I dare say that uh, some of us are sinners, I and, and that means there's going to be not only difference, but sometimes misunderstanding, sometimes sinful ways of dealing with, with our, our disagreement. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing that the Bible also teaches us throughout the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that there are better ways and worse ways for us to deal with our differences, our conflicts and our struggles in community. Dion, you definitely agree it's as old as the Bible itself. Now back to our so-called enlightened age. Do you think the church still struggles with in-house politics at the moment? What is your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my experience is exactly that. Um, I, I don't know a single congregation that uh, doesn't have some challenges within it. In any church that that um, doesn't face from time to time, uh, you know, some form of disagreement or conflict is either not uh, close enough to be honest with one another or they're not admitting things that are going on. And I think that's a very important thing for us to recognize. One of the images that the Bible uses for, for the Christian church is, um, is that, you know, it's, it's like a family. And we know even in our families, you know, people who we love sometimes do things and say things that we find difficult. And we ourselves sometimes find it difficult to understand or, or to, to love and honor one another. So we need to expect that. Uh, to be present in, in our churches, in our communities. And that's certainly my experience. But I, I want to say this, Vainant, one of the things that I've learned over the years that I've seen about healthy conflict and healthy conflict in church communities is the way in which we deal with difference, the way in which we deal with disagreement, the way in which we deal with hurt is often our strongest testimony to the world. And of course, you know, Jesus himself says that in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Here he is speaking specifically to believers. Love one another as I have loved you. And by this, verse 35, John uh, 13, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you're being disciplined in the ways of my love. So, Dion, you make definite reference. It's not what we say. It's the how we say it, the way we deal with it. What if the problem starts right in the top structures? Maybe the minister, maybe the church board or the council. How do you deal with it? Where do you begin to deal with this? And, and whose responsibility is it then, after all, uh, to deal with, with the in-house structures? Yeah, I think that's an important uh, question. So one of the subjects we, we teach at, at the university, which the students uh, don't, they don't always enjoy it because it's not quite as exciting as church law, church polity. And, you know, Vainant, this is the first thing I want to say. Um, this notion of politics, the, the root word for politics, the word from which we get our English 
uh, word politics, or Afrikaans word politic, actually comes from a Latin word which means polis. And a polis was the smallest sort of community structure in which people lived. In other words, it was often the way it was used to describe how a city functioned or a town functioned. Now, of course, in any kind of social structure, we need to have some political measures. We need to have some way of managing power, of dealing with you know, people or, or groups who stray and, and who do things that aren't right or wrong. So how do we deal with that? And I think that's a very important thing for us to recognize as Christians. Now, firstly, just to say, Paul tells us in his uh, letter to the Corinthians, be careful that you don't take these things to the civil authorities. So our first port of call should never be the courts of law. Yeah. Um, we, we as Christians shouldn't say that the law is higher than the body of Christ. As Christians, we should always be willing to say our first and primary accountability is to believers. So I've seen conflicts dealt with in, in, in that kind of setting in many ways. You know, sometimes when a minister is in conflict with their leadership, they might ask uh a minister from another congregation to come and mediate. Uh, sometimes when there's a conflict between members and and uh, the minister in their congregation, they might ask a bishop or a moderator or a trusted uh, leader from outside of that space to come in and sit to them. And of course, that's the principle, Vainant, that um, you know we we learn about in Matthew chapter 18. And just to say to our listeners, go and have a go and have a look at that Matthew 18 from verses 15 to 35. It almost lays out for us um, how we should live as Christians. Particularly 15 to 20 is a very very clear example of how Christians should deal with conflict. Yeah. It is more difficult when when it's the minister or the the pastor or the overseer uh, who is at the center of that conflict. But I think if we if we take it seriously, if we recognize that there are also other people with authority, it's very often possible for us to find a neutral, godly woman or man who we could invite to say, come and mediate. We, we're finding it difficult to listen to one another. We're finding it difficult to deal with this particular issue without collapsing into uh, accusations or recriminations. And we need someone wise and godly. Yeah. to come and help us. Dion, in this so-called modern day and age that we live, we started this program sharing the story of the pastor who was fired while lying sick in hospital. The uh, church leadership decided to pull the plug in a very callous way, in a very cold way. They send him a text message. Uh, a lot of people deal with the problems uh, through that. What would your advice be? Is uh, can, can that be used, the modern day technology, to solve our problems? Or should we rather steer clear from that? My sense would be whatever we do, we should always do it in a way which is most loving, um, which is most humane, um, and which seeks to give opportunities for reconciliation and healing rather than the escalation of conflict. And again, you know, Vainant, if we just look at that uh, passage in, in Matthew 18, that's exactly the, the point that Jesus makes. He says, if, if a sister or a brother sins against you, go to that person. And, and the Greek language which is used there. Uh, it's very evocative. Adelphoi Sue, the one who you love, go to them and say to them, you've sinned against me. And if they hear you, that's literally what it says in the Greek, then you have won that person back. But if they do not hear you, then, you know, before you embarrass them, go with someone who's trusted, you know, go in the presence of a witness. So I think, Vainant, that's what I would um, certainly suggest. And, and I've certainly, you know, myself had to deal with 
with colleagues sometimes or with members of the church or have had to have church members come to me and say, hey, Dion, we disagree on something. As Christians, we should always say, what is the mind and the attitude of Christ? How can we yeah. do this in the best possible way? I don't think a text message is the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Truth be spoken, you know, you can't hide these things in the in-house politics always reaches the ears of the congregants, either through newspapers, through gossiping, one way or the other, it gets out. How do one do damage control, keeping in mind that this program is to put a stop and an end to uh, church politics, uh, or or, or at least make some sense of it? But how do you do damage control in, in that case? The one thing that I would say, and this is just from experience, I mean, I, I used to be the dean of our church's seminary, and I've been a, a superintendent minister in charge of congregations. The one thing that I would say is that as Christians, we should always seek to be transparent and honest with one another, and we should speak the truth in love. So so just to say, you know, it's seldom a good idea to hide things, to try and cover them over, um, to deal with them in ways that that, you know, um, will cause people to ask questions. Rather, what we should do is, you know, if we've done something wrong, we should be honest about it. I mean, no, that's one of the problems, I think, in Christian churches is we we live with this sort of false notion that we're perfect, we can't get things wrong. You know, how we deal with with that, when, when, when we've got into a conflict and we've been angry at someone and then have to go back and say, listen, I still think that what you did was wrong, but maybe the way in which we responded wasn't right. That in itself is a witness, um, because every person who's looking at the church is facing the kind of worldly ways, which is conflict and domination and proving that I'm good and you're bad. Those approaches to, to conflict, they dominate the world. That's, that's the way of the devil, you know, who seeks to, to steal and to kill and destroy. But the way of Jesus is a way of life. It's a way of love. And so my sense would be, be transparent, be loving, be honest, um, don't hide things, and and always try to say, what can we do here that yeah. will redeem the situation and redeem the person? Do you use the pulpit then for that? You use the words, these words, cause people to ask questions, because inevitably people starting to ask questions, and many people run away from the church because of these politics. Do you use the pulpit? Do you use your official letter in this damage control? How do you contain it? How do you open it up? How do you clean the boil, so to speak? Yeah. So just to say, um, Vainant, a pulpit is a very, very sacred space. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I, I want to say to my colleagues who are pastors and, and, and preachers, uh, ministers, priests, um, oh, we have to, we have to teach, to treat that space with great respect because people look to it to say, what is God going to, to reveal to us through the scriptures to yeah. share with us? So we should never use the pulpit in a partisan way. Uh, please never do that. I'll give you just one example. When I was the dean of our, our seminary in Pretoria at John Wesley College, we once had a conflict between two ministers uh, who were in the congregation, and one of them stood up in the pulpit and began to accuse the other, and immediately I stood up and said, no, we're going to dissolve the preaching. We're not preaching on this today. What we're going to do is we're going to come and kneel at the rail and just pray together. Just pray until we, we find some way to deal with this. We're not preaching. Because I think sometimes we can, we can 
tie God to our side and say, well, God is on my side, I'm right and you're wrong, therefore I'm good and you're evil. That's a very dangerous thing to do. But there's no harm, for example, in if there is agreement amongst parties for the church to make a statement, you know, to put something on their website. But it must be something where where there's agreement and and what we're doing is we're working towards truth and the common good. Um, a church council should never publicly embarrass their minister um, you know, just for the sake of saying, sure, you know, that person's bad and we're good. That, that's not a Christian way to do it. You know, and just think about that, Vainant. If you call another pastor in future, that person's immediately going to enter that space thinking, oh, my goodness, I have to be so careful here. Even though I know I'm only a normal human person, I have to pretend I'm perfect. I can't live truthfully because these people are going to just embarrass me and crucify me. So we've got to think about those things when we deal with 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 conflict and struggles in our churches. Dion, some people have even left the church permanently because of the hurt that they experienced, uh, the politics, um, the accusations, the embarrassment, um, never to return to church again, uh, almost fallen through the holes in the, in, the, in the torn nets. What are you saying to them listening to this program this morning? Those who says, yeah, Typically, that's why I don't want to go to church. And, and COVID-19 has, 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 you know, closed that door now finally for me. I don't have to go to church. I can watch online. I can do church from home. But then again, I choose not to because of the politics and, and the way they behave. What would you say to that one who's torn and hurt and listening to this program right now? So the first thing that I would say, Vainant, is, um, you know, if, if, a, if a church has hurt you or a member of a church or a leader in a church has hurt you, um, you know, we must repent of that. And, and, and I'm so sorry, myself personally, so, so sorry that the church does that and that, that members of the churches do that to other persons. But I do want to say, sisters and brothers, please, please, please know the church is not incidental. It's not just an add-on to our faith. I mean, the whole of the scriptures testify to the fact that we have to live our lives like the nature of God is. And God is a trinity of persons in deep relationship. So we have to find ways in order to facilitate that, that togetherness. So it might mean that you've got to find a different style of church, or it might mean that you've got to go to a different congregation. But, but just to say, please, please, please seek out that community. It's important. The second thing I would also say is you know, sometimes we do need to do a little bit of, of, of reflection to say, okay, how do I make sure that I don't carry that hurt into the new space, that if I go into a new church, I don't enter into their combative, already distrustful, already thinking these people are, are out to get me. But how do I enter in, into that with freedom and give it the best possible chance uh, for, for blessing? What I can tell you is that God's desire is that you find that place where you are loved and affirmed, and, and your faith has grown and deepened. Well, the Lord Jesus, certainly uh, listening to our conversation right now, I have no doubts about that. There's a saying amongst religious people, Christians, that there's no such thing as a perfect church. Um, to deal with our issues in a Christ-like way, did Jesus one way or the other set an example for us? I mean, absolutely. You know, you go and read uh, the last, Supper. Can you imagine, um, you know, sitting at a table 
knowing that the person on your left-hand side has already taken 30 silver coins for your betrayal. Wow. Jesus knows exactly. On the cross, on the cross, what does Jesus say? He says, Father, would you forgive them? Because they didn't know what they were doing. So I think that, that, that example that we have in Jesus, the example of someone who forgives. And again, just to point our, our listeners back to Matthew 18, that, that whole last part of the parable from, from verse 21 until verse 35 is all about the complexity of being forgiven and learning to forgive when people mistreat us. So I think we, we have a responsibility as members of churches, as leaders in churches to say, Lord, we want to follow your example. We know we're not perfect. We know others are not perfect. Give us the grace, the love, the creativity to be able to make this work. John, in closing, if there are people in a dead end, so to speak, uh, churches, uh, ministers, pastors listening to this radio broadcast this morning, who, who's not sure where to turn to next, is there a place that, that these men, these women, these organizations can turn to, a Christian organization, uh, to find help who are struggling with these exact same problems, to get advice, to steer them out of this uh, storm? Yeah, I think, Bernard, I mean, obviously one of the important things to do is, is to remember that if you are part of a church community, your your primary accountability is there. So, you know, if, if it's something that's happening within your church community, within a cell group or a home church or within a, a, a larger body, that's the first place where you need to go to air your concern, to be heard, to listen and to seek to resolve it. And very often those communities also have oversight bodies. And, um, you know, just to say my experience has often been if you are facing persecution or slander or disregard, you're probably not the only person who's facing that in your community. It often is a sign that something is unhealthy in your leadership or in, in the congregation. Then I think it is your responsibility to reach to that next level, to go to your superintendent or your bishop or the overseer and, and to say, listen, I, I, need, I need you to, to hear me out. I need you to be honest with me, to help me to see that. Of course, at the end of the day, what, what I would suggest uh, to any pastor, to any member who's, who's facing hardship, is try whatever you can to resolve uh, your struggle where you are. But at the end of the day, if the abuse continues, if you find yourself not coming to that point of resolution, again, in Matthew 18, we do have the freedom to be able to say, in love, I am dusting the uh, dust off my feet and I'm moving on for the sake of my healing and my wholeness and my relationship with Christ. So I think we do have that freedom to do it. We must just, again, do that in a Christ-like manner. Don't leave the church shouting down the street and, and, and shouting recriminations. Uh, you know, do it in a Christ-like way. Well, before we're ready to preach to the world, share our religion, our hope, our Lord and Savior on how to live, of course, we must first show the world how we on the inside love one another, how we learn to get along, how we learn to disagree with decency and civility, how we learn to work out our differences, how we learn to deal directly and tactfully with one another, but most of all, how we learn to forgive one another. Professor Dion Foster, God bless you. Thank you so much for your input to this program this morning. Thanks, Bernard. Blessings to you and to our listeners.